Hello everyone, it's Charlie Webster here. I hope you're doing okay and all managing to keep well, as well as you can be during this time. Welcome to a new episode of My Sporting Mind as I speak to sports stars about their experiences with mental health to hopefully help and inspire anyone out there who might be struggling or talking about or feeling those same thoughts that we're all feeling. Now, today we're actually venturing into a completely different sporting landscape and heading to the States as well to welcome American professional rock climber and adventurer Emily Harrington to the podcast. Emily, welcome. Hi, thanks for having me. <laughs> How's it going over in America? I'm in California. I'm in Northern California. And uh, yeah, honestly, it, I've been all right. I, uh, my partner and I just bought a house last summer. And so we haven't, up until this point, we haven't really had much time to spend in it. And we're, we're feeling pretty grateful right now to just have some time in our home and kind of slow down a little bit. It's something I've been craving for a while and finally getting the chance to do it. I mean, despite some pretty unfortunate circumstances, it's, it's feeling nice. I also do want to get in a congratulations because I know that you've just got engaged. So there's an- another positive thing right now yes. for you. Thank you so much. Yeah, I just um, got engaged to my partner, Adrian Ballinger. Um, he actually, it's kind of another silver lining of that is he's a mountain guide and he normally this time of year, he's guiding Mount Everest. Um, he's guided Mount Everest for 12 years in a row. So ever since mm-hmm. I've met him. So he's never been home in the spring. Um, and so it, the opportunity to spend spring at home and get engaged and all that has, has definitely been kind of a silver lining of all of this. Mm. You know, um, you started climbing from a very young age. What did you feel like then? Because I know you've spoken a lot about fear. So I'm kind of interested about your thoughts when you were a kid and you first started climbing. You know, did you have that fear? How did you feel about yourself? Yeah, so I um, I have always been a very, like, competitive person. I grew up, I, I was an only child, but I grew up kind of, like, with my two cousins who were boys around the same age as me, and I was incredibly competitive with them. It was, like, the three of us were just constantly, like, battling to see who was the best skier, who was the best water skier, who could jump off of the highest part of the deck and like who was the bravest and all of these like ridiculous things and so when we all three started climbing together like basically my goal was to be better than them Mm -hmm. (laughs) but it was always like an expectation then from your yes it was always an expect always and so from a very young age like I had it in my head that like and that was just who I was right like I was that way at school I you know it was just it was almost like I had to learn as I got older to kind of like counter that competitiveness and kind of take the edge off a little bit and because as you get older you start to you start to realize you have different priorities and different motivations and after a while like the competitive part of climbing wasn't as appealing to me and so I kind of had to take a step back and figure out like who I wanted to be as a climber and what it meant to me mm-hmm. and that was a, a huge transition for me but as a kid it was always climbing was definitely something that I was like I was I was going to be good at it that was my goal. Mm-hmm. And, and when you are climbing, you know, there's, it's so much, it's so mental, you know, it's like, I mean, I, I don't climb so, but I can imagine it's so, it's so mental about the endurance side of it, the exhaustion side of it, the fear side of it. I mean, you have had some falls yourself. How do you, do you block that out? Is there any kind of tricks that you use mentally? Um, 
yes, there's a lot of fear involved. There's a lot of like intimidation. There's a lot of uh, discomfort mentally and physically when it comes to climbing. You know, I, I like to, I, I'm also a skier and I like to say that the two are like pretty opposite. Like skiing powder is like the most glorious, amazing, awesome, euphoric feeling ever. Whereas when you're climbing hard, you're like, really trying and struggling and like fighting against gravity and oftentimes you're like yelling and it's just like a much different experience um there's no like feeling of euphoria until it's over (laughs) (laughs) um but I would say that like that's kind of why that's why we do it that's why we that's why we if it was easy like it would be boring and there'd be no no reason to do it and so I think that like recognizing and understanding that the fear and the discomfort and the intimidation is all a part of why why we climb is a a huge step towards dealing with it um i like to say that people people who are afraid whether they're afraid of heights or they're afraid to fall or there's multiple reasons to be afraid in climbing um they have to not be afraid to be afraid so like kind of welcoming that feeling and trying to understand it and trying to work with it is really the first step towards working through it. Like I'm, every time I go back to Yosemite, which is where I'm currently have a project, I am absolutely terrified for the first few days. Like it's, really? it's, it's super weird. It's like, I don't trust my rope. Like I, I have these like crazy visions of just like falling, like all the way 3,200 feet down. And I'm just kind of paralyzed by it and overcome with the fear and it's like, well, I've been doing this for 23 years. Like, why, why do I still have these feelings? And at first it was really frustrating and really hard. And it was like, it was really hard on myself, sort of judging myself for it. And now it's kind of like, okay, this is, this is what it's like. Like, it's never going to go away. The fear is not going to go away. It's not going to disappear. I have to learn how to like work with it and get a little more comfortable with it. And so instead, I'm just a little bit kinder to myself about it. And I just take smaller steps and kind of like work with myself in a way. I don't know. It's kind of like doing therapy in your head when, <laughs> when it's going on. <laughs> but that's actually the best thing they teach you in therapy <laughs> is to actually yes. do th- therapy in your own, own head and to almost like, yeah, parent yourself. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so what, cause I think a, a lot of people, um, you know, in, in their own circumstances have that fear. I think everybody does, to be honest. So, what are the things that you've learned then, practical things, and maybe that, that therapy in your own head that you do say to yourself? Is it like, it's, you know, I've done this for 20x years, I can do this, like, I believe in my rope. I mean, what kind of things do you say to yourself to overcome that fear? So it doesn't paralyze you, so it becomes like a strength. There are a few, like, really practical things that I do do, but mostly I just sit with the emotion. I just kind of, like, allow it to, like, wash over me allow it to like have its time and its space in my body and then gradually it sort of like the edge kind of comes off a little bit I guess you could say um breathing is a huge one like a lot of times when you're afraid and when you're stressed you kind of like stop breathing and you stop like functioning like a normal human being and I think just reminding yourself of the those like really basic human functions is is it pretty important at times like that so like a lot of times if I'm super scared, it's like, okay, need to stop, need to take a few deep breaths, need to actually analyze like the risk. Like, am I actually in danger? Most of the time with the type of climbing I do, the answer is no, I'm not actually in danger. Like there's a lot of reasons that I am very safe and I know that. And so I remind myself of those things. 
Um, and then if I'm in a place where I can, it's like, okay, let's take a break. Let's stop. Let's drink some water. Let's like think about what I want to do. Like, am I too afraid to keep going? Do I need to go down? Do I need to bail? Um, and then if I decide that I, that it's not my day and I need to need to take a break or, or not continue, then I accept that. And I give myself a break, go mm. do something else for a little bit and come back when my head's like in a little bit of a better space. Yeah. Rather than beating yourself up about it. How do you exactly. deal with the times that you have fallen? And you know, you had one, I think, well, you've probably had a few bad falls, but there is one bad fall that I've uh, seen pictures of you. Um, <laughs> yeah. Was it El, El Capitan? Yeah. How did you come yeah. back from that? Because it must have knocked your confidence. Yeah. So actually that fall is the only time I've had a very serious accident in climbing, which is a testament to actually how safe it is. Um, yeah. 23 years, that's my only like serious bad fall. Yeah. Um, most of the time, the falls are very safe most of the time I've walked away or climbed away from falls and it's been totally fine. And I've accepted it ever since I was 10 years old, that falling is a huge part of climbing and it is very, it is a very safe part of climbing or most of the time. Um, I did have a really bad fall in November and it was because I was doing a style of climbing that had more risk involved. And I knew that um, I knew it was more dangerous. I was climbing on very easy terrain and I was trying to move really quickly so I had like a lot of space between myself and my last piece of protection and I slipped and I took a bad fall, like probably 40 feet. <laughs> wow. um, and I hit, I hit a ledge. So like the rope didn't catch me. I actually hit a ledge and knocked unconscious and full rescue. Like they were really worried about spinal injuries. I had a concussion um, in the moment. Like I was unconscious and I, I definitely think it was scarier for everyone else than it was for me but it's been a kind of a long road I would say there's definitely some residual like trauma involved with that um there's definitely some fear I've had some issues with like taking falls again um but I've started out a little bit slower I definitely have started out with stuff that I know is super safe with stuff that I am really comfortable with and really familiar with and kind of just like taking it really gradually. So yeah, it's, I think once again, just being a little bit nicer to myself, recognizing that it is going to take some time and it isn't going to be easy and there will be a lot of fear involved is part of it. Mm. How, how do you maintain that focus when you are in that moment on a, on a rock face? When it's, when it's dangerous? Just in general. Or not, just in general. Does it take a lot of you focus? Know, yeah, it, it really does. It does take a lot of focus. It actually it takes focus, but not too much focus. Like it's kind of like everything. It's like you have to find that balance between like letting go of your expectations and your pressure, the pressure and your ego and all of the like, what if, and kind of let your body take over while at the same time remain like really laser focused on, on what you're doing. It's like what athletes call the flow state. I think um, okay. it's like, you're very focused, but you're also, you're very focused and it's very important to you, but you're also not so focused that you're like really tense and not like flowing and, and um, moving in a way that I don't know. It's, it's almost like climbing in a lot of ways can feel a little bit like dancing, a little bit like a performance in a way. Um, like you kind of, like you practice, you practice, you practice, you practice in hopes of like executing it perfectly, mm -hmm. i.e. without falling. And 
And so when it comes down to that, like performance, you have to kind of let go of everything and just let your body take over. And that part, that can be pretty hard. And Emily, you did a very recent post on Instagram about your feelings towards your own body image and, you know, eating, which I, which I, I read the comments actually of what people said to you. And I know that just sharing that meant so much to people what made you um do that post yeah so it's it's something i've been thinking about for a while um climbing is is tough in many ways because it is a gravity-based sport and so you're essentially like dragging your body up a the side of a wall and so if you think of physics like it makes a lot more sense if you're dragging less body weight up the wall you'll be stronger you'll be able to pull harder you'll be able to stay on longer all of those things and and eating disorders have been a huge part of climbing for many many decades even at this point and it's it's a really hard thing to go through as an athlete especially I think a lot of a lot of men are coming forward right now and talking about it as well but as a young girl it was a struggle for me because it was also coupled with like this cultural idea that being smaller was better and more beneficial as mm. a woman. And so imagine as like a 17 year old girl, it was your body's going through all these changes and you're a professional athlete and you're trying to figure out how to create a career for yourself and how to create value and worth in the world. And I sort of just fell down the rabbit hole of, restriction and eating disorders and losing a lot of weight really quickly and that was reinforced by my culture telling me that that was the right thing to do um as well I started experiencing a lot of success in climbing like that's really when my career took off but unfortunately that type of training and stress on your body is really unsustainable it leads to a lot of struggles later in life I still see it in our in our community especially with the younger girls and i it's almost like you can spot it really easily just by looking at someone what they're going through and kind of like brings back all these feelings and it was a time that was like pretty dark for me i wasn't enjoying climbing i wasn't having fun i was really hard on myself i had a lot of negative feelings about myself um my entire self-worth was wrapped up in like a number on a scale and you know, as a teenage girl, that it was really damaging. And I, I think I've known a lot of friends and peers who went through that with climbing and didn't, didn't end up coming out of it very well. They became very injured. They had to quit climbing. A lot of athletes don't, don't necessarily make it through. Um, and so I just wanted to share my story and kind of share that, like, that's not necessarily the best path. And I just wanted to make people understand that like they're not alone um we all we've all almost all of us have been there but there's there's other ways to do it and there's healthier ways to do it and there's more ways that create longevity um i think what what brought me out of it was i realized that i wanted to be a climber for the rest of my life and i started seeing people around me getting hurt i started feeling like getting a little bit more injured and realizing that i in a lot of ways i was just too fragile to continue in the sport and it was really damaging mentally. Can you, if you don't mind, talk us maybe through some of the things that you would think in that time and 
so people can maybe recognize that thought pattern because I think you know you it's clear that you associated your size with an achievement and success and I think that's across the board also outside of the climbing community and in professional sport but then even beyond professional sport that it's got you've got to be a certain size because that then gives a certain message about what you can achieve in society right yeah I think I kind of grew up in that period like it it was like I was a child and then I started noticing that if I lost a little bit of weight if I was a little bit lighter then I was more successful in climbing so it started out that way like it was very simple and it was very like action and conclusion and then I took it really far and I just started realizing like I started getting comments from people about like oh you look so strong you look so healthy and so that was like positive reinforcement Mm -hmm. and then I just kept taking it further and further and further and realizing like oh this is this is how you do it also I'd had mentors in the past who had done it that way as well and I started realizing like oh this is how this is how you gain success in the sport and then also piled on top of that I realized that like females in our society are more desirable more beautiful whatever if they're smaller that was like in my head as well like thin is thin is pretty thin is success and so I I just it was like I was in this like vortex of like every day trying to control every aspect of my life so that I could like get that number down as small as it could possibly be Mm. and if that number wasn't what I wanted it to be it was like the world was ending like it just it totally felt like the world was completely ending I was worthless I was not disciplined I was weak and I told myself, I actually told myself that if my body ever looked like it did before when I was 15, 16, when I was much healthier, then I would never be successful. I would never make a career in climbing. You know, it was just, it was just, it was one of those things where it just permeated every aspect of my life. Like I would never find a boyfriend. Like I would never be loved. Like all of these things, just like, it just ballooned into like meaning everything to me. It was a complete obsession and it was all about control it was like I, I had a really hard time traveling because I couldn't control a lot of things not to mention I was like irritable all the time I couldn't really focus and it just it just took over and I had a really hard time coming out of it and recognizing that 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 wasn't everything and also that I could still be successful as like a healthy person uh, who enjoyed her life and like valued herself beyond her size. Um, it took years and it's still, I still struggle with it a lot. Yeah. That's what I was going to ask you. Do you still, does it still creep in sometimes? Yeah. Especially I've noticed it. I mean that post because it's especially recently, I think a lot of it, a lot of like eating disorders and habits like that develop because we actually feel out of control and we're trying to like, hold on to something we're trying to control something and right now is a very like uncertain time where things don't feel in control and like my old habit is to like fall back into that pattern of like trying to control something and so I started to I've definitely started to like fall back into that but I can recognize it now and I can like I'm more mature and able to like deal with it in a different way but I think that that period of my life was still really damaging for me which is why I want to talk about it. And it's why I want to 
try to communicate to the younger generation that it's not worth it. What you said that there's a couple of things, you know, and it did take years and, you know, you start to notice that it was actually inhibiting your performance because of injuries and things like that. But what do you think for anybody out there that can recognize those patterns, um, some of the practical things to do or what helped you the most looking back to start to recognize what, what, you know, because, you know, eating disorders is that self-destructive thought pattern where it's just criticizing yourself all the time. And like you said, trying to find control in something because in that control in your food is safety. Yeah. I think therapy helps a lot. Um, that's definitely sort of gotten me to talk about it more. If you don't feel safe talking about it with your friends or family, um, I think taking that step, uh, if you have the means, is, is pretty helpful. Um, talking to friends and family about it, because it's really scary. It's a scary step to take. So my hope is that like people will see and hear things from athletes like me and start to think a little bit more about like their own destructive habits and realize that like punishing yourself and being negative, kind of like those self-loathing habits are not what lead to success. It's just not. It's super inhibitive. It's a very like short-term game. Mm-hmm. And it just it just creates more damage in the long term. But trying to communicate that to someone who's in that space is really difficult. Like I remember when I was in that space and it was really hard. It would have been really hard to get me out of it. And I think I think if I had had a mentor who was a little bit more like you know, I was just so encouraged the whole time. I felt so supported by everyone. I felt like this is right. I'm doing the right thing. Um, you know, I wish I'd had someone who who was able to kind of like sit me down and, and kind of tell me that it wasn't the right path. Um, but that's, it's really hard to do. Um, yeah. Especially my like hope you said, is, when you're in that moment. Yeah. And my hope is that our culture has shifted, has changed a little bit. I think just having more conversations like this and sharing more stories like this and normalizing that like strong, not skinny, as they say, you know, is like, Mm -hmm. is more the way forward is, is hopefully helping shape a different future for the younger generation. Hopefully they don't get stuck in that like loop of like punishment. Um, You know, I like to say that I, I like to try to celebrate myself now instead of trying to punish myself. Even when I go training, like, it's not to punish myself. It's to like celebrate myself, celebrate my body and what it can do and mm. all the amazing things that it can do um, instead of punishing it. it. It feels different. And that's, that's really powerful, you know, and I, I watched the previous generation practice those habits and that's sort of why I got into it. Um, and so I'm hoping that like the younger generation sees people like me speaking about it and how damaging it was. And they realize that, you know, oh, that's not the path I should take. Hmm. Yeah, I think it's it's so important to have those conversations and role models. And how hard was it for you to recognize that you were in that that pattern? I mean, I think I knew the whole time that I was in that pattern, but I just wasn't willing to um, give up the control because in a way the control feels so good and the control, it's almost like, I mean, it's just like any type of addiction or whatever. It's like, this is my safe space. And this is the only way that I'm coping right now. And I knew that I knew that it was harmful. I knew that I was unhappy, but at the same time, I felt like everyone else was doing it too. And so it was like, 
this is just how it is. This is, yeah. this is how it is to be a professional athlete. Like it's just hard. So, you know, it was just one of those things. I, I was aware of it, but I just accepted that this is how it had to be. It's interesting because um, I was speaking to somebody last week in a different space and they said the same thing about the fact that you've got to understand that it become it becomes a safety as well. So that's why it's so hard mm-hmm. to almost let mm-hmm. it go. So what now do you use as your safety? And you said that, you know, you still have to work through some t- things na- even now. And I think that's also important to say because it's not like, you know, you go to therapy and all of a sudden everything disappears and whoa, yeah, you're just amazing and happy all the time. Um, so what do you use as your safe space now and, your, and, and ways to control things? Because, you know, I think in this moment, it's like, right, okay, find something that you can control. But how do you find something that's positive to control? Yeah, so I, I lean on my friends a lot. Um, I lean on my friends and fellow female professional climbers who have all been through the same process as me um and a lot of times when I'm having one of those days I'll reach out to them and be like I'm really struggling today this is like really here and I don't know what to do about it and that that's been super helpful um you know I do think I have a tendency to over train for that reason like I I've gotten through the like eating part but the overtraining thing is definitely kind of a crutch that I lean on like if I'm feeling like down or wanting to control something then I'll just like dive into like an eight-hour training day which sometimes is good but sometimes it's like kind of counterproductive so I'm still working on that um I work with my therapist a lot about rest like a lot about like understanding and accepting that rest is like a very 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 crucial part of being an athlete and it's super important maybe one of the most important things um, I really struggle with rest because I see it as a weakness. I think I've like programmed myself to see it as a weakness. And like, the more you do, the more you do, the more you do, the stronger you'll be. But like, physiologically, we know that that's not true. I know that that's not true. And I've experienced like when I've had periods of time where I've been forced to rest, when I took that huge fall, I had to take like a month off. And I actually came back climbing stronger than I was before the accident when I'd been training really hard. and it was like a light bulb went off in my head. I was like, Oh my God, it's because I'm rested. (laughs) And so I've been really trying to, to be more accepting of it, but it's so, so uncomfortable for me. It is a very uncomfortable space for me to be in. Taking rest days is really hard. Um, And it's like, that's the time when my mind starts to, you know, I get a little bit like Mm -hmm. fall back into those habits. And that's when I reach out to friends and family and um, a lot of like, self-talk <laughs> um you know I, I try to read about it I, I just I, I do my best but it's not it's not always perfect <laughs> but I think so many people associate with that even during this period where it's like use the time productively <laughs> achieve this achieve that and it's like you know we get in those habits of, of trying to distract ourselves all the time and push ourselves yes so that we can ha- feel an element of control in so much uncertainty. Um, I really appreciate you speaking to us. So finally, Emily, is there anything, uh, any messages that you would say to people that are really struggling right now? And I suppose specifically um, for you, Emily, that to, to young females that are struggling with an eating disorder with their mental health? 
I guess I would say, please don't be afraid to reach out to people. Please don't be afraid to talk about it. Everything you're feeling, whether it's like shame or fear or embarrassment, like all of those feelings are valid. Like every single, I think people tend to downplay their feelings a lot. And I think it's really important, especially now to recognize that all of that is very valid. And we shouldn't be judging how we feel right now because it's all important. It's all valid. I do know that some people do worry about that judgment and they do feel ashamed within them themselves. What would you say about those feelings? Did you feel feel those feelings? And when you reached out, was there none of that judgment and shame there? How would you reassure somebody? I, I think, yeah, I think reaching out and communicating it helps a lot. It definitely helps you feel like you're not alone. And just recognizing that like, even the judgment itself is a human thing. Um, so like, don't judge the judgment, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Like, like it's all, it's all there for a reason. Like we all have these feelings for a reason. And so instead of like beating yourself up about it, instead of spiraling into that negative self-talk, asking yourself what you need is maybe kind of a practical step. Like, do you need to reach out to somebody? Do you need to like go for a walk? Um, really simple things like it doesn't have to be complicated uh, but trying to get out of that spiral is is probably the most important that recognizing how we talk to ourselves I think is one of the biggest things that can change how we feel <laughs> yeah that's, that? a, that's a good way to put it yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think so um thank you so much for your time massively massively appreciate it and um, where would people reach you Emily what's your Instagram is that the main platform that you're on yeah, I mainly use Instagram. It is Emily A. Harrington. So E-M-I-L-Y-A-H-A-R-R-I-N-G-T-O-N. And that's where you'll find me. Thank you. It's been so great to talk to you. I uh, really, really appreciate it. And I hope everyone out there really enjoyed listening to Emily. If you do want to reach out, then you can reach out to Emily on Instagram, as she just said. And please do contact me if you have any questions around uh, what Emily's spoken around, uh, eating disorders and body image and mental health. And I'll catch you again very soon. <laughs> <laughs>